0: We believe in being led by the Spirit of God, that you can be led by the Spirit of God, that you should be led by the Spirit of God, and that uh, in worship, it's a lot more than just singing. It's actually drawing near to God, and uh, that the Lord has a specific plan and purpose for every service, and for every part of every service. And so, uh, I'll tell on Dave a little bit, so we... uh, we uh, normally how we do the songs is um, he'll uh, pray about it and um, checking his heart and see which ones and he'll text me the songs and see if those if uh, I concur and kind of agree and I would say 75 percent or more of the time most of the time uh, he'll send me and we have like you know we sing five songs basically most of the time so we have. Uh, four or five of the exact same songs, you know. And I didn't tell him that actually. For a while, he'd send them to me, and uh, you know. And so, but it's the same spirit. And I remember being at, at Rama, and uh, I would be in. They have an afternoon school which is open to anybody, and it's called uh, Prayer School. And then they have Healing School after that. And um, I remember there, and that's where the Lord first started to teach me that. And so there. Uh, I would be, and we'd be worshiping the Lord, and a lot of times they wouldn't even plan the songs ahead of time in prayer school. They would just uh, flow. Sometimes they would, but I wouldn't know what they were either way. And then before they would sing the song, just down here on the inside, I would, okay, I don't want to use the word here. I would know this is the song they're going to sing, and then they'd sing it. Sometimes they'd be up there. I remember Leanne, before she was head of it, she'd be up there and she'd be like, "Uh, you know, Lord, what are we supposed to sing? And I would get it even before she would get it. I would know the song. And then like 60 seconds, 120 seconds later, she said, we're supposed to sing such and such. And so we are actually can be and really should be led in the the minor details of life. And so uh, that's just a longer way to say uh, we endeavor uh, to get God's plan for every part of the service. And we don't just come to sing a bunch of songs or sing current songs or we might sing an old song, we might sing a new song. And um, Uh, We might sing a song multiple times, and we might do this or that, and we're endeavoring to follow the leading of the Lord, because uh, so many times, most of the time, our plan is not worth very much, (laughs) and He knows what you need. He knows what we need, and He'll he'll always have the right word at the right time, and so uh, we appreciate you, and uh, thank you. So we're uh, still in the series called Thirsty, and um, we're going to look... At uh, Psalm 107 verse 9 and then we're going to look at Psalm 63 and then we're going to look at John chapter 8. So we'll start out again where we did for the uh, time of giving. Psalm 107 verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. So that means of course if you have a longing soul and a hungry soul he will satisfy you and he will fill you. So what does that mean? Well, sometimes you can find out what something means by looking at what it does not mean. So if you're not hungry and if you're not thirsty, what would that denote? Some people say, like, I want the Lord to draw near to me. Do you know the scripture actually says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, uh, if you've ever dated anybody or had somebody that wanted to date you, or wanted to marry you. I know Norval Hayes for years was not married, and all these women would come to his meetings and say, "I'm supposed to be your your wife. I'm supposed to be your wife." And he's like, "Well, when the Lord tells me, you know." <laughs> um, but if you've ever had a relationship, I remember there was one uh, young lady in Tulsa when I was uh, I think I was a student. Yeah, when I was a student in Bible school, and um, she really wanted to date me and I think marry me and all this type of stuff. Well, um, I didn't want. I didn't want that. She got me on one date. I went on a date and she was trying to like hold my hand and do all this stuff. And I'm kind of like, oh, like, and then you got the complication of like, I'm like, okay, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you know, and I'm not saying I'm all that, but I, it's just not a good fit. So I say that, yeah, my wife is rejoicing. I say that because love doesn't do that to somebody. Love actually thinks of the other person, and love gives the other person like, you know, if you'd like to come and do something with me, I am here waiting. I'll lavish my love upon you, right? And so that's how God is with us. He doesn't even force us to come into his family and to get born again, even though there is probably no greater desire in his heart than to have mankind, every person that has been created on the face of the earth, be back in his family, back his original intention. You know, the will of God, we learn, is that all men, men means mankind, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that scripture right there tells you. Just because it's the will of God does not mean it's automatic, does not mean it's just going to happen like a ripe peach off of a tree (laughs) or a ripe cherry off of a tree. It's not automatic. Yet that's what the Lord yearns for. That's what the Lord desires. My, this is why he sent Jesus Christ. Not just so that we don't go to hell, so we can live from the same source of life that he lives from. So that we could act like him and think like him and have the same love nature that he has. I mean, what a, uh, think of the plan of God in that. That not only is he love and he is love in its perfection, but he said, that's not enough. I want you to be able to live off of that same love and to be able to give that same love yeah. to the world, to your family, to your friends. Romans chapter 5, he has shed the love of God, has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God. Shed abroad means like in abundance, in fullness, overflowing. And somebody said, well, yeah, but I'm really having a lot of trouble loving this person. Well, if you're a believer, the reason you're having trouble doing that is you're trying to do it from your mind or in the power of your flesh. You're not doing it with the love that is in you from God, the love of God, because the love of God, it doesn't even think about itself. It's not self-seeking and it's not worried and it's not fretting and it's patient, patient endurance. And so, and it's kind and you know, there's so many other things, the, the love of God, God is love. So he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. So there's something on our part that we have to do. You know, the the initial thing, there is one thing that he does, which I love, the Holy Spirit. God, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, will convict the world of sin and their need for him. And he's also going to make sure that you, every person on the earth, hears the gospel. So every person has an opportunity to receive the gospel. But if you want to be near to the Lord or to sense the presence of the Lord, we have to do something. It's actually on us. You know, so many people, I know Dad Hagan said it and I've heard others say it and I've had the Lord say it to me. You say, Lord, like I'm just waiting on you for when I should go and plant this church when I should move, when I should do this. And you know, there is a timing of the Lord. But so many times the Lord will say uh, I like how Brother Hagan would quote him. He said, no, saith the Lord. I'm waiting on you. <laughs> like I'm already ready. You know, like Lord, when you get ready. You know, I should know that I should go. And the Lord says, if you'd read what my son said, he said, go into all the world. (laughs) Well, when should I preach? And preach the gospel. (laughs) And what should I preach? Preach the word. Because if you preach the word, signs follow the word, the preaching of the word, right? You want signs to follow, you preach the word. If you don't have signs following, you should be like, am I preaching the word? Right? And so the Word of God is life and health and strength. And uh, I I love the Word of God. He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. And then we can look over at uh, Psalm 63, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified Translation. Psalm 63, verse, I'll just read verses 1 through 5. Oh God, you are my God. Listen to the heart cry as, as He is. Is talking to the Lord, praying to God. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My inner self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and is faint for you in a dry and weary land where no water is. Remember, we even said in the time of giving that you can be spiritually feeling like you're in this barren, dry, and thirsty land. And then you're kind of like in that state of, Lord, do something. Like, uh, do something. The Lord said, well, if you just give me one inch by acting on my word, I will come flooding in. I will flood in. So I looked upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. I like how King James says that better. As I have seen you in the sanctuary, your power and your glory. He's saying like, I have spent time with you. I want to have that tangible presence, your tangible presence, right here, right now. I don't know why everybody's laughing, but hopefully I don't have something on my face. (laughs) Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My whole being will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And marrow and fatness just means right there, marrow is like health to your bones. It's abundance. It's more than enough. It's the best cut of meat. It's the best of everything. And he said, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, the best of the best. Because why? That's how the presence of God is. There is nothing like the presence of God. If you've ever been, um, you know, if you've ever met the president, and I have never met the president, but there's—I'm not even saying like the current president—but there are like certain presidents that I have friends that have met, like Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton and um, George Bush, uh, the second one. I don't—I don't know if I know anybody that met the first one, but. It's interesting, you get different reactions to people. They went into the Oval Office and they'll be like, you know, he was the most warm, kind person or like actually people, some people ask me sometimes, what's Brother Hagen like? What was Dad Hagen like? And stuff like that. And he was actually uh, just amazing and uh, so pleasant and so full of God. And, um, but you meet different people and you can actually meet someone and you can carry a little bit of the atmosphere that was with that person. You're like, something not actually smells different, but something's different. And so how much different is it when we get into the presence of God? So the psalmist is looking back and he's like, I have seen you in the sanctuary. You know, where he was dwelling at that time. I have seen you in the sanctuary. Oh, to see you in the land of the living in that way. Oh, for men to see you. Uh, mankind to see you. So that's his cry. And then let's look over uh, where we looked last week at John chapter 7 verse 37 and 38. John chapter 7 verse 37 and 38. This is Jesus speaking and um, I'll try not to go too far into the feast for time but just to review for a second. This is the great feast. It's the feast of tabernacles or as sometimes the Jewish people call it the feast of booths okay? And so this is most feasts. They had like, I think, three major feasts, and they're all seven days. This one is eight days. It's actually a two-part feast. So there's the first seven days, part one. The last day, part two, okay? And in this, this uh, feast, they would take, in all seven days, they take branches of three different trees, and this ekron plant. The ekron actually is like a heart. It represents your heart. And then these branches uh, is a palm branch and it represents a All kind of different things, divinity and stuff. And so they'll take these branches and they will say, Hosanna to the east. And I'm not sure which order they do it, okay? I'm just telling you, it's every direction. To the east and to the north and to the west and to the south. Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. And really what they're saying is every tribe, every tongue, every nation coming into the kingdom of God, they're foreshadowing this, okay? Not only coming into the kingdom of God, but what they're foreshadowing is day eight, and what happens on day eight is the great day of the great feast. And that is the day that they actually foreshadow. And you can ask uh, a Jewish person this. You can look it up. You can Google it. They are foreshadowing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the eighth day. Okay. And on that day, they would all, and I'm really paraphrasing this for time, but they would go and they would take golden vessels and they would dip them in the water and they take those vessels and they go up, uh, up to the top of, of the temple, the steps, and they would spill that water out. Representing the presence of the Holy Spirit flooding, right? And so Jesus comes up in the middle of this, seeing this, all of these vessels, and actually they would also take one vessel and they'd fill it with wine and they'd mix the wine with the water because you know you can't put new wine, the Holy Spirit, into an old wineskin. You actually have to have the blood of Jesus that cleanses, that purifies, that changes, that transforms, that you become a new creature able to contain the Spirit of God without being obliterated. And so Jesus comes in the midst of all of this and sees all this water and everybody's taking this vessel of water and they're mixing the water and some of them are, are spilling the water down the steps and the water comes, I like how Donald G. describes it in his little book, it comes cascading down the steps. I could just see it come cascading down the steps of the temple with those big uh, two or three foot vases that they would just spill out and the water's spilling out and it's permeating everything. And Jesus stands up in the middle of this and Donald G. says, it's the day that Jesus shouted. He got up and he said with a loud voice, we read uh, in chapter 7, verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried with a loud voice. He cried with a loud voice saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow not a river, but rivers of living water. Well, let's read verse 39 since we're there. But this spoke he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so, you know, it was so important, and he, if you read on in, in John chapter 14, 15, 16, he said, it's, it's necessary, it's better for you that I go away, because if I don't go, my spirit can't come. And I'm just really one person anointed in the earth, and my whole plan is like to live inside of every single one of you and for every single one of you to be anointed. So he's going to like duplicate himself, and that we get to not just be servants of God, but we are invited now, and we come into the family of God, and we become sons and daughters of God himself. Well, if you're a son of God and a daughter of God, and God is a good God... What happens when you come into a family? We had some friends in Michigan that they adopted two children from uh, one of the countries in Africa. What happens to those kids? Well, they had other kids. They instructed their kids. These kids have the same privileges. These kids have the same rights. They are our family, just as if they had been born of our... Well, I can't think of anything but a King James word, loins. (laughs) Uh, praise the Lord. We get the same rights of sonship as Jesus Christ has of sonship. And actually, Jesus when he was praying in the garden, he said, Lord, I want them to know that the same way that you love me, you love them. And so Jesus wasn't just impressed that God loved us the same way that he loved himself. He loved Jesus. He said, they need to know it. Because why? What happens when you know that God loves you like you and you and you and you and you and you, every one of you. This changes everything. When you know that God loves you, faith really is confidence that God loves you. So as soon as you realize, as soon as I realize, wait a minute, God loves me. Like, he's looking over, understand how I say this, a thousand people, a million people, just to look at you. But yet he sees everyone. You are the most special person in the world to God, just like everyone else. Does that make sense? And God has the capacity to do that. And I love being a parent. Because before you're a parent, I mean, I guess you you experience love in different ways, but you think, you know, like, I certainly... I would never have a favorite. If I ever had a favorite, I would never say it. Do you know I don't have a favorite? I don't love one child more than the other ones. Even if one is acting up more than the others, I don't love him less. If one is being better, I don't love them more. I have the same love towards them, the same thoughts towards them. I might have different conversations. (laughs) Corrections. But I love them all. And so faith is really our confidence in the love of God for us and towards us. Because you see like well if if God loves me and if God did this, if God loves me I can trust Him. And if I can trust Him He's going to do what He said. I, I love the scripture that says, He said I watch over my word to perform it. So if you're not seeing something performed, well maybe you're not doing the word. Or maybe you need to say, Lord, you said you watch over your word to perform it. And to the best of my ability and the most of my knowledge and understanding of revelation you've given me, I'm doing your word. So if I'm missing it, you show me. If I'm not, you said put me in remembrance. Declare that you may be justified. You know, that's right in Isaiah where he says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out your transgressions and your sins, and I will remember them no more then he says, put me in remembrance. Declare uh, thou that thou mayest be justified. So again, it's not like automatically falling off that tree. We have to actually declare. And we say, Lord, I'm just, you know, not in tones of arrogance but actually just saying, Lord, like remember how Abraham he went and he pled for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and he said, Lord, that's not like you to destroy the righteous with the wicked? You said you don't destroy the righteous? What if there's 50 righteous there? And the Lord said, you know, okay, if there's 50 righteous, I'll not destroy that city. What if Abraham didn't pray? But he wasn't satisfied with 50. He said, okay, the Lord answered that. So like, I know there's not 50. Okay, what if there's 40? (laughs) Maybe there's 40, and then he goes down to 30, and he goes to 20, and he goes to 10. And they got the, themselves out of there because, you know, apparently Abraham's faith didn't go that far. <laughs> so, but Abraham stopped the hand of God. Declare that you may be justified. And so, God has really, you know, and um, we're going to get into it real soon. I promise. The authority of the believer is really like uh, I stand in awe of the authority of the believer. And if you find anybody that has written a book on the authority of the believer, has lived in the authority of the believer, you will find they said the same thing that Dad Hagen said, which is there is going to be a mighty army of believers who are going to realize their rights and their privileges, their authority that they have in the earth, and they will turn the world upside down. Smith Wigglesworth prophesied about it, E.W. E- Kenyon talked about it, prophesied about it, Dad Hagan talked about it, prophesied about it. And Brother Hagen said all that he, you know, he wrote The Believer's Authority, the book The Believer's Authority, which the Soviet believers at that time, they credited two books to the Soviet Union falling. One was the Bible, the second one was The Authority of the Believer, or The Believer's Authority by Kenneth E. Hagen. Okay? Changed nations. But he said, after this, knowing this, knowing the impact that that, or I guess a glimpse of the impact that that book has had, he said, I think we're, we, we're just in the very edge of this, of that authority of the believer. We have no clue how much authority we have. And so the spirit of God will reveal to us and show us and help us. But faith is the confidence, his confidence in God's love for us. So Jesus said, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. What does that mean? How do you drink? Like he said, you know, talking about uh, the new covenant, if you don't drink my blood, does he mean like we're supposed to drink his blood? What does he mean? Like, is this some kind of weird cult thing, you know, (laughs) drinking blood and eating flesh and all this type of stuff? What's going on? Well, he's not talking about that here and not even there. (laughs) He's partaking of the Lord. But he said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Well, I think the first prerequisite for drinking is you really should be thirsty. In other words, you have to be looking. And even if you're not thirsty, you have to go out and get a drink. Or if someone brings you a drink, you have to receive a drink. Right? So we have to look to Jesus. Number one, we need to look to Jesus. Sometimes people, uh, they're not filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking other of their tongues. They come to get filled and they're thinking about every other thing. And one of the best things you can do is direct someone is just focus on Jesus. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. I am not the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. You are not the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Your favorite minister is not the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So we put our focus on Jesus. Number two, we feed on the word of God. We feed on the word of God. Actually, back to number one, you know, in Acts chapter three, verse five, the lame man at the gate, beautiful, he looked on them to receive something. And so I look to Jesus to receive something from Jesus. If I'm going up in a healing line, I'm not looking to the minister. I'm looking to Jesus. Jesus is the healer. They are the conduit. They are the mouthpiece. But the words are his words. I may feel someone else's hand on me, but the anointing is the anointing of God, (laughs) The healing power is the healing power of God. And so you look on Jesus, you look to Jesus to receive. Number two, you feed on the word. You know, Uh, Have you ever read, I didn't have time to look it up, but I read about it before, but you know, um, you ever hear that experiment where the guy decided he's going to eat, and uh, if you work at McDonald's, no insult here, but he's going to eat at McDonald's like for a month straight, and like all this kind of nasty, sick, and horrible, looked horrible, all this type of stuff. Um, Some people say like you are what you eat, and so um, what you feed on naturally is going to affect you. It's going to affect your body. It's going to affect really the functioning of your mind. Well, what you feed on spiritually affects you as well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> most people have like three good meals a day and one small spiritual snack a week. Yeah. And they think, why am I not strong in faith? Well, because I'm just relying on the church service to get me over. I'm just relying upon where a group of other believers together come together and maybe I'll read a little of this or look at that during the week. Um, there is life in the word. And as you receive the word of God, you'll actually receive uh, life. Mm -hmm. Isaiah says, with joy, we draw waters from the wells of salvation. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, with joy and rejoicing, it doesn't say the well of salvation, it actually says the wells of salvation. So let's just take one well of salvation. What about health and healing? the well of health and healing with joy you draw water from that well so what does that mean well by the stripes of jesus i was healed or whatever other scripture flips your boat right <laughs> if you're like you're ministering to people for healing one of the best things you can do is ask them what scripture is just alive to you? Like what scripture just, maybe you don't even know what it is, but you're like, there's something in that scripture and I'm not sure what's in that, but but there's something bothering me about it. There's something that's drawing me in about that. Well, you start with that scripture. If it's yourself, you start with that scripture. You start thinking about that scripture meditating on that scripture so you're like by his stripes i am healed it was so the way i actually got healed was by his stripes his stripes did something that affected me it actually affected my healing so wait a second what happened to him uh, affected my healing and the iniquity of us all was laid on him and and so my healing is because of his stripes, all of a sudden light bulbs start to go on and you start to realize, my healing is not because I confessed the right scripture or because I read enough scriptures or because I prayed long enough that the glory came down. My healing is because of everything of him, nothing of me except for to receive what he did, believe what he did and receive what he did. Like, Look, he did it. He did it completely. Like, There's nothing in uh, 2 Peter 2.24 that says or 1 Peter 2, 24, that says that I did something. By his stripes, I was healed. So I'm not waiting for it because I already was. If I was, then I am. So like all of a sudden your, your lightning fast mind starts to go and you're kind of like, wait a second. If I was, I was, I was. That's before. That's like a long time ago. I was by his stripes. When did he have stripes? Well, he was stripes or later when he was on the cross. So he said, by stripes, I was healed. He went to hell and gained victory over every sickness, every disease, uh, hell itself, death itself. He came, so that was like 2,000 some years ago. Like so, like I don't, why don't, why don't, why don't I have it now? Why, why, why I should be healed? It says I was healed. If I was healed, uh, and God doesn't lie, well then I, I, am healed. And depending on what type of condition is like attacking your body, you might be like hmm. I couldn't run before, so I can run now. But I'm standing here and I haven't run. So how? What should I do? If I believe that he's not lying, what do I do? I'm like, well, well, I can run. All right, I'm gonna. Well, you might run now, or you might get your shoes on tennis shoes, depending on how you like like to run, and go run because you are healed. So the only thing that's on our part is to believe it so much that we actually do it and that we actually act on it. And sometimes um, what's really happening is we are hoping that that is true. We are not believing that that is true. (coughs) And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So in other words, you actually have to begin with hope. Faith faith, is the substance, the tangibility, the actual existence of something that you hope for. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things you cannot see. That's your faith. One translation says, my faith is giving substance. I think it's Moffat's translation says, faith is the assurance that we have the things that which, for which we have confidently hoped. Faith is the assurance. So like financially, faith is the assurance that you'll have the money when you need it. Right? You're believing God for a certain amount of money, like, Lord, I need this money. I have to fix my car. I have to do this. I have to do that. So you pray and you ask God, and maybe you need to sow a seed, maybe you don't. I ask the Lord, what, what do I need to do? But faith is the assurance that you have the thing for which you've earnestly hoped. And financially, okay, I have the money when I need it. What does that mean? Well, that means you still, you take steps. Like you know you're going to have the money, so you go ahead and do it, okay? I, I don't like to always use myself, but it's I know my examples. And so, like, we had faith financially to move here. But we left and we moved, and for two weeks we had no visible financial source of income in one of the most expensive places that I have ever lived (laughs) but what we had it wasn't like we were uh, out in la-la land we knew the Lord said go and I said Lord if you said go then I know you will provide so I had a word from the Lord and then I had specific words from the Lord that says, If you leave houses and lands, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, for the gospel's sake and my sake, you will receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. And of course, all the scriptures that we use all the time talking about giving, that He will multiply your seed sown. And so, uh, faith, you can't really separate walking by faith from being led by the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God, He like, Uh, Man, he hovers over things. like He hovered over the waters, over the chaos, over the void, Genesis tells us. And he created. He like brought it into order. And so the Spirit of God, on your time in the Word, he is the Spirit of reality. Jesus said, he will take the things of mine and show them unto you. He will make them real to you. And so you should never read the Word of God without the Holy Spirit because you won't get much out of it. But when you read the word of God with the spirit of God, I mean he's the one that inspired these men to write the word and to speak the word so it could be written. And so you read with the spirit of God, he'll show you a lot that you don't know. If you're thirsty, if you're hungry, if you're humble and you're open because Hebrews 11.2, is it 11.2? I think it's 11.2. No? Hebrews 2.1. Hebrews 2.1 says that we should pay extra attention. King James says, pay more, give more earnest heed to the things that we've heard, lest at any time we let them slip. What does that mean? Well, the stuff that you've already heard, you and I, we have a tendency uh, to be like, okay, I know that. Give me something new. Give me something fresh. <laughs> so what happens? Oh, it's really dangerous. Because you hear something a little bit and you get all excited in a service or a school or wherever you heard it the first time or at home and you don't go back and look at it because you're like, I already read that. You know, you don't, you didn't get that. Most of the time you got it here and your spirit was rejoicing, but it's not like solid sitting in your spirit so where you can actually stand upon that word in faith and say like, I'm, I'm out here, oh, nothing underneath my feet except for the word of God. Because you just heard it here. And so that's why The Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Hebrews to say, you got to pay extra attention to stuff you've already heard. Sometimes people want to go on to like these amazing like revelations, and I, I love those things too. But you realize the greatest revelations are about the blood of Jesus, the redemption of the Lord, the salvation, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the basic gospel truths. There is a life there. In fact, the same power that was in the resurrection that actually was used by God to raise up Jesus himself from the dead is present in the preaching or speaking of the gospel message, of the death, of the burial, of the resurrection the same power, the same power you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Jesus didn't start his ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him. And so You want to look to Jesus, feed on the Word, understand the love that God has for you. You want to be filled with the Spirit, and you want to be being filled with the Spirit. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, how do you drink? This is how you drink. You receive from the Lord. So you look to the Lord. You say, Lord, I am hungry. I am thirsty. I want to receive from you. And if you come in faith, you will not leave disappointed. So you draw water from the wells of salvation with joy and rejoicing. And so you're talking about healing. So you're just like, wait a minute, I saw this. Remember, we just meditated a little bit on this. And you're like, well, this is true. So hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You are good. What what really is it to give God glory? Glory. Right, We can, we can uh, uh, make it religious but really, do you remember was it the ten uh, lepers or the, that were healed and only one came back? Nine, I think nine and one came back. One came back. What did Jesus say? He said, uh, this man came back to glorify him and he said your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Do you know the word for whole there is the exact same word for salvation? It's not just whole in body. It's like every part of you. So it's almost like this man turned, he gave thanks and it says he glorified God. If you start to look at when faith worked for people in the Word of God, so many times they're glorifying God at the same time. Why is it? They're saying, God did this for me. Look what God did. My skin was dirty and now it's clean. Look what he did. I thank you, Lord. You, in other words, I'm attributing this to you. What is that? I have faith in you. I know you're the one that did this. Before this, I know that you're the one that can do this. If you're willing, are you willing? He said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And so faith glorifies God. So we draw water from the wells of salvation and salvation is like the whole package. With joy, we draw water from the wells of salvation. So joy is actually an expression of your faith and joy is a way to drink from Jesus. So you are like full of joy and you know, you're dancing, you're laughing, you're rejoicing. Like, I mean, the crippled man at the beautiful gate, what did he do? As soon as he was healed He began leaping and dancing and praising God. It didn't say he began leaping and dancing and being like, what in the world? How did this happen? (laughs) Stand with me if you would. We draw water from the wells of salvation with joy. With joy we draw water from the wells of salvation. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're not strong, get some joy. If you really get into the presence of God, you'll actually get joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy, it says, above his uh, fellows, or above all mankind that was there. Jesus was anointed with more joy. So some people have, I, I don't particularly want a picture of Jesus or anything like that, but I've seen this laughing picture of Jesus. That's much more like Jesus was than like, You know, the disciples thought he was like that. They said, like, uh, kids, get away from him. Get away from him. He's like, no, 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 no. This is the such. This is like how the kingdom is. Let him come to me. Let him come to me. And like a father with a child. And that's how God is with us. But we draw water from the wells of salvation with joy. We draw water from the wells of salvation So we don't have a sad report. We have a good report. We're not full of sadness. We're full of gladness. We're not full of defeat. We're full of victory. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're the victors, not the victims. So I'm not looking for like, you know, the afflictions of the righteous are many, the Bible tells us. But the Lord delivers us out of them all. Not most of them, all of them. So you may have like an affliction and a sickness and a disease and a financial attack and a relationship and a work situation, but the Lord actually delivers you from all of them. It doesn't say he prevents all of them. He delivers you from all of them. And you cannot be more than a conqueror unless you have something to conquer. I've asked the Lord about that many times. Like, isn't there like an easier way? But you know what? It's like a satisfying hard day's work. You go out and you're like, nope. I'm going to trust God right in the face of this hoopamone. my favorite Greek word. Patient endurance means like you're not having a storm coming against you and turning your face the other way. It says hoopamone is the strength that comes, the patient endurance that comes, so that when there is a storm raging, you turn and you face it head on. You know, like Joshua and Caleb, give me this mountain. Let's go at once and possess it so that you're not like waiting for something to happen. You're like, let's go. Why? Well you think about it, because God said I have given you this city, I have given you everything you need and if you believe God, if you trust God, if you're not doubting, wavering you're going to go right on in. You keep your eye fixed on Jesus. Like Peter if he kept his eye fixed on Jesus he'd have walked the whole time on the water. But he began to glance away, but if he didn't sink, he began to sink. I don't know how you begin to sink, Because most times you just sink. (laughs) With joy, we draw water from the wells of salvation. I remember Dad Hagen told us, and I'll close with this. Dad Hagen told us, he said, when you get thrilled with the word, that's when it works for you. When does the word work? Well, you get thrilled with it. How do you get thrilled with it? Well, first of all, you get thirsty, you get hungry, you look to Jesus, and you say, Lord... What is this? You read it, the word is seed, and you're saying, wait a minute, healing. You you provided healing. This is good. This is really good. I don't see it in my body right now, but this is good. And actually faith is not based, my belief is not based on what I see in my body. My faith is based on what you have said in your word. And I see what you say in your word. So I'm not really concerned when this is physically manifestation is going to come, I know it's this way. I was reading, um, okay, one more thing, second close. (laughs) I was reading from A.B. Simpson's testimony this week, and he said, you know, he had had this uh, for years and years and years, uh, like 20 years, he he had no strength and mental problems and all his issues all the time, so much so that he would preach on Sunday, and it would take him till Wednesday to physically recover enough strength to begin studying for the next Sunday, so finally, uh, his doctor saying, you have to quit this, you're going to die, all this type of stuff. And so he went out to his uh, little place up in Massachusetts, close to the ocean, and he said, you know, I'm going to go into this grove of pine trees, and I'm going to read the word, and I'm going to have anything but the word, and I'm going to find out, what do you say in your word about healing? So long story short, he got a revelation of healing, and he saw healing is as much a part of the gospel as our salvation and our, the other parts of our redemption, that healing is there, and he said he wrote down one, two, three. I will never doubt your healing another day in my life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have it. And he, I wish I had the wish I had the quote, but he said he was so focused and so believing God. That he didn't even want a feeling. He was 100% convinced that's taking care of itself. It's done. That his faith was so strong. Well, how did it get that strong? He meditated in the Word. He saw it in the Word. And then he was so full of joy that it didn't matter. The other part didn't matter. Well, what happened? He was healed. As he went, he started doing stuff. He climbed stuff. I don't have time to go into all of it. Amazing testimony and um, just wonderful. So, we draw with joy, we draw water from the wells of salvation. Salvation contains all those things that we need, that we want, that we see, that God provided for us. We get it by joy. We let it well up and we're like, this is great. So, instead of being frustrated and upset, uh, just make yourself laugh. You say, this is great. You're like the devil's telling you it ain't gonna work this time. It's never worked before. Da-da, or da-da-da-da. just say like, ha! It doesn't matter. <laughs> you already lost. He already beat you. I don't have to beat you. He beat you. So, thank God for the blood of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is life to us and health to all of our flesh. Your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Father, thank you for bringing us into your family. Thank you for giving us your word that says that if we hunger and we thirst for righteousness, that we will be filled. Thank you, Father, that you said if we're thirsty that we could come unto Jesus and drink and partake. Thank you, Father, that you said that if we can draw waters from the wells of salvation with joy. So, Father, we are full of joy. Thank you so much. Thank you for the whole package. Thank you for giving- giving us your word, giving us your life, giving us your spirit, giving us your ability, giving us your foresight, Father, that you show us things to come. Father, I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice, that you'd give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing this truth, in knowing Jesus Christ, in knowing our rights and our privileges. Yes, for ourselves, but even not so much for ourselves, Father, we partake of it and we live in it, but, Father, that we can bring this message to the world. Father, we pray that the truth of your word and the truth of faith in you and your kind of faith would just flood the earth as the waters cover the sea, that your glory would manifest, that the knowledge of your glory would continue to fill and flood and flow. Father, I thank you that we're always in the right place at the right time with the right people and the right message. Father, I thank you that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord of our lives and Lord of everything that concerns us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.